0: Welcome into Sports Takes with Jake for the 11th show of the spring 2022 semester. And as always, we are coming to you live from the Villanova University here on a beautiful uh, March night here. Of course, we are in March Madness. I'm excited to welcome on my co-host from the great town of Spearfish, South Dakota, and my half-hour before 8 a.m. sports journalism class good friend, Mr. Zach Tipton. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Thanks for coming on.
1: You know I'm doing pretty well. How long did it take you to get that live perfected?
0: Uh, well, I've been doing it for almost two years, so it's kind of been we're a work in progress, but yeah.
1: <laughs> it sounds good. Sounds um, good.
0: But we have another special guest tonight. Um, I'm excited to welcome in a St. Peter's alum the, and the coordinator of the College Councils for the Knights of Columbus, a huge sports fan and unfortunately a Yankees fan, but you know, we'll forgive that transgression for this show, Mr. Chris Koshewski. How are you doing tonight, Chris, and thanks for coming on tonight.
2: Jacob, Zach. on a
0: Villanova show. So great to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So we'll get right into it here. Uh, St. Peter's Peacocks, uh, probably none of you had them winning in your first round. Maybe Chris did. Chris, did you have them winning in the first round? That's the first question I wanted to ask you. Oh my gosh, all the way. I had them going all the way, brother. Oh, All right, all right. We like it. We like that. So to introduce everyone else to St. Peter's University who did not go there, they are a private Jesuit university founded in 1872 in Jersey City, New Jersey. Undergrad population of a little over 2,000, 2,100. They're actually celebrating their 150th anniversary this year. Uh, first question I had for Chris before we get into the, the March Madness Cinderella run. When you were at St. Peter's, Chris, what was the atmosphere like around the basketball team?
2: Sure thing. would say that basketball is the one constant at St. Peter's, and and that's why uh, many people love it. You know, a lot of folks don't know that St. Peter's has been through many changes uh, throughout the years. You know, I could highlight anything from administrative to academic to even the location of the school, even the name of the school. You know, it used to be St. Peter's College, but basketball was always the one constant in conversation. You know, I meet alums from all throughout North Jersey, whether that was at night's events, school functions, at a rest stop on the Jersey Turnpike, coming back to Philly, wherever, and somehow the team would always be brought up, you know. At games, you'd not only see a great representation of the student body, but you'd see alums from all generations uh, coming back to support our team. We have great showings at games on campus, and, and with this current run, I'm sure it will be even greater. And, uh, you know, finally, I, I, I'd say that there was great. Uh, there was a great personal atmosphere, you know, with with the basketball team, right? You know, at a school with about 2,100 students, like you mentioned, you run into these guys in the halls. I recall having classes with some members of the team. My history class when I was a junior, you know. So for many students, you weren't just watching the basketball team. You know, you were watching your classmates and personal friends who you'd hang out with outside of the uh, outside of the uh, basketball realm as well. So yeah,
0: that's awesome. So. They are back in March Madness, uh, first time since 2011 where they lost to Purdue as a 14-seed, 65-43. They've been to the tournament four times. They're led by their head coach, Shaheen Holloway, 45-year-old head coach, three-time All-Big East guard for Seton Hall. He played there from 96 to 2000. Uh, Peacock's leading scorer, junior guard Daryl Banks, 11 per game. And senior guard Casey Nadefo at 10.6 per game. The Peacocks compete in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Um, I guess before the tournament, Chris, their MAC tourney run was a little bit easier than maybe they expected. Um, they had number seven Fairfield, number eleven Quinnipiac, and then they took out number four Monmouth for the championship, winning 60 to 54. Was this? Maybe a reason why Kentucky may have overlooked the Peacocks, considering their somewhat easy tournament run here to get into the tournament.
2: Yeah, certainly. Well, uh, before I get into the meat and potatoes of this of the answer here, I just wanted to preface this all by saying I went to the championship game in Atlantic City at Boardwalk Hall. Uh, thankfully, the MAC championship doesn't cost nearly as much as a Big East tournament. You know? <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched really. the I watched the semis on ESPN Plus at home. And then I called my buddy, Joe. I said, you know, yo, dude, we're going to see this. Because I knew the momentum was on their side. And, and in 2020, they were actually going to go to the championship as well. But everything was shut down because yeah. of the pandemic. So I considered this some redemption for myself. Uh, but anyway, second, I, you know, let's thank those Ryder Broncos for beating Rick Pitino's Iona Gales. Yes. Because I was really worried about Iona. <laughs> you know, Iona is always a dangerous threat in the MAC. Uh, but, you know, Jacob... I, I don't think that it just made Kentucky overlook them. I think it it made everyone overlook them. I mean, they they quietly won the MAC, and they were the very last team to be announced on Selection Sunday. So, yeah, I certainly do. But, you know, let's not forget the one major strength this year, which was their defense, right? So when looking at uh, SPU's scoring defense, they typically held their opponents to about 62.2 points per game, and they blocked 14.6% of all opposing field goal wow. attempts, right? Wow. That's 13 highest in the country. Now, granted, they weren't playing major conference teams like Kentucky, right? But they did play many out-of-conference games. This is something that Gene Holloway spoke about during some of his interviews, uh, which is what I think helped them hone that that defensive skill. Uh, now, during the championship against Monmouth, I think they were a little sloppy, to be honest with you. They had two guys foul out of the game. Uh, but you, you could still see that defense uh, manifest. Manifest. You know they were titled Kentucky, and I think that that helped them all the
0: way through. Yeah, that that blocking stats incredible. I mean, I, I did not realize that. Um, but yeah, that that's a that's a heck of a stat, and really, I mean, you look at the tournament. Really, I mean, uh, especially March Madness is different from the regular season and really conference tournaments in the fact that you know defense is much more valued in the tournament than really any other games during the season. Because I mean, you look at some of these games, I mean. You know, even like Wisconsin, Iowa State, or you know, any of these games really throughout the tournament, they've been very low scoring, and you really got to rely on uh, your defense to carry you. Because if you rely on your offense shooting threes from all over the place, like we've seen with Nova the last few years, sometimes um, that could uh, hurt you in the end if you don't have the defense it takes. So, St. Peter's obviously the huge win over number two C Kentucky 85 79 and overtime Daryl banks, the third had 27 points, five, eight from three and Doug editor put in 20 47 combined points to the two players in the Peacocks. Um, editor was a big part in the end here, a layup of 24 seconds left in the two game stealing free throws in overtime, uh, to really put this game away. Um, I guess a question for you, Chris, from this Kentucky game. Um, first, what were your expectations against Kentucky?
2: <laughs> oh, I'm still, I'm still laughing at it because they weren't high. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, you know, Kentucky had a great run all year. You know, I saw and I knew many people that chose them not only to win the region, win the it east all. Region, but to win, win the entire tournament, yes. which was crazy. I mean, you know, so I, I essentially resorted to, like, fabricated victory in my head, Jacob. I was <laughs> like, oh, you know, it'll be nice. Okay, this, this is great. Maybe we'll take down Kentucky, you know, kind of David Goliath thing here. But, you know, Kentucky's what I would call Lob City, right? They just chuck the ball up. They shoot the ball, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I thought that if they wanted any chance of winning this game, they'd have to shut that down. And, and respond as aggressively on offense. It wasn't just the defense, it was the offense
0: as well. Yeah, and then um, uh, I think the difference in this game, Chris, was the fact that Peacock shoot 9-17 of 17 from three. They shoot almost 51% from the field overall, 50.9%. Uh, Kentucky really struggled from the free throw line, especially in overtime, 23-35 from the line. Um do you think this free throw shooting was a difference here in this game? Obviously, them missing 12 free throws, or was it more of the fact that the Peacocks were able to shoot the ball really well in this game?
2: Well, I think I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you know, if you, you kind of look at Darrell Banks and, and Doug Eddard for a second, right, they they aggressively turned up the offense yeah. in, in the game. You know, I think just looking at the first two games against Kentucky and Murray State, they averaged about 77.5 points per game. Which, you know, that's up from 67-and-a-half. Now, granted, they did have the benefit playing Kentucky in an overtime, period. Yes. Uh, but Banks exploded with 16 points in 15 minutes yes. to help the team yeah. survive that early foul trouble, right? He was 4-for-4 four four from the 3 in the opening stanza of the game. You know, and Eddard was so stellar with 20 points off the bench uh, and making his free throws, you know, 8-for-8 eight from, eight from the line, and, and that that's how you win games. They played fiery. You know, I mean, sure. look, this is, this is an old saying. And I think, you know, this is something my father, Jacob and Zach, taught me nearly 20 years ago when he was teaching me the game. You need to make your foul shots.
0: So important, If you yeah.
2: don't, there's, no, there's not a good chance. There's a good chance you'll be getting back on that bus and you won't be winning the game. And unfortunately for Kentucky, I think that's what did the men in the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and then they go and play Murray State, a team that had two losses the whole year a 21 game win streak heavily favored the, to beat the peacocks here in the round of 32 and St. Peter's comes out takes the lead never relinquishes the lead and they pretty much dominated the racers here 70 to 60 to not to deny Murray State their first ever sweet 16 appearance instead it's the St. Peter's peacocks who are moving on to Philadelphia to play Purdue, as we found out last night. Um, Ed, Eddard uh, scored 13 for the Peacocks. The Racers did go within two with 4.07 to play after a Justice Hill three-pointer, but Eddard came back again, uh, being clutched at the end of the game, made a three of his own to answer that, and then the Peacocks iced the game from the line from there. Uh, so another impressive win for the Peacocks. But now looking ahead, to the Sweet 16, as they will be taking on the Purdue Boilermakers, who uh, they actually beat our Villanova Wildcats early on in the season. I think it was 80-74, to 74, right, Zach, or something like that?
1: Yeah, there's something around there. I think that's how they score.
0: And they have a lot of size um, that really hurt – because Villanova's a small team as well, like St. Peter's. Um, they got the 6'10", Travion Williams, 7'4", Zach 8- Eddy. Um, uh, so the, they have big guys there. And also the Peacocks have a turnover rate outside the top 300 in the country, and they also have no player over six seven. Chris, what are the keys to the Peacocks making it the first ever number 15 seed to reach the Elite Eight and upset the Boilermakers of Purdue here?
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, no, well, I think, first of all, I think they have to create some mismatches for Purdue defensively. You know, you want to draw – Zach Edey and Trevion Williams away from the basket. Mm-hmm. You know, create those opportunities to score. Get those bigs away. <laughs> yes, yeah. Get inside the game really. and score. It's going to take some extraordinary game planning, too, right? and execution, especially from a coaching perspective. But, I mean, look, I'm going to point back to that Murray State game. Holloway came up with a great game plan for them to score, and I think he can definitely do it again. You know another thing worth highlighting here is that Purdue's obvious flaw is that they are 86th in the country in adjusted defense efficiency. Mm. So St. Peters can score them, right? Look in that first round. St. Peters played against uh, Oscar Shiepbla. yeah you know, the National Player of the Year, your favorite. there's no one better, and they found a way to score against him, right? They knocked out the best player, best brand, which is Kentucky. So, you know, what do the Peacocks have to fear? That's
0: what I say, you know. So, yeah. And then how how do you think um, offensively they'll be able to – I know, like, throughout the year they've kind of struggled offensively. How will they be able to – is it going to be a lot of mid-range three-point shots? I know they like to get inside. So how are they going to do that against this, you know, really – I mean, I know, like you said, try to get them out in the perimeter. But – you know, if they're trying to drive in the lane here with these guards, how, how are they going to be able to do that against these, you know, trees down low?
2: <laughs> like I said, you know, I think that's going to have to <laughs> require some extraordinary planning. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like, I'm still racking my brain thinking about it now, Jacob, because they are trees, these guys. They're gigantic, and, you know, St. Peter's doesn't have anybody big. So come up with something crafty and, and try to push. I think one thing Holloway is good at doing is motivating his players to be like, oh, over- Real fast, quick, and hard pressing team on offense when they need to do it. So they got to find a way, and and hopefully they will.
0: And last question for you, Chris. Um, Holloway has been uh, heavily, strongly linked to the Seton Hall vacancy. Kevin Willard, the former head, now former head coach, uh, after 12 seasons for the Pirates, is heading to Maryland. Uh, I thought Moore did a great job there at Seton Hall. I was reading an article before I came on. He see, he led Seton Hall the second most conference win the, in the Big East the last five years, including a, a Big East regular season and tournament championship back in 2016. Um, and Holloway obviously played for the Pirates, so it looks like that's pretty much the obvious hire here for the Pirates after the the tournament. Um, what do you think Holloway is going to do here at Seton Hall, uh, considering it's going to be a bigger school, a lot more talent to recruit? Like, wh- what do you think uh, we should expect from him next year and the years moving forward at Seton Hall, assuming he gets the job?
2: You know, I, I honestly think he'll do. I think he'll do fantastic, and, and I think he'll just find that answer. Just to look at Saint Peter's, right? There's something old timey about Saint Peter's. Given that the core of the team, right, the top six scorers, they're all juniors or seniors, right. Who have played together for at least three years think about college basketball for a minute the the loosening of player movement rules and the rise of the transfer portal have meant that a lot of teams turn over their key roster spots uh, every season the trend is great for players who, who should be allowed to change schools with the same freedom as their well compensated coaches but that's also worth praising a program like st peter's that is that is doing something right because they haven't had a mass exodus of players, and I think uh, he could have that same effect on, on Seton Hall. But for right now, uh, he's a peacock, and I, I hope he keeps up the great work. So,
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing them play in the Wells Fargo Center on Friday, hopefully take out the Boilermakers um, and Advanced Elite Eight, take on either UCLA or North Carolina, the two Blue Bloods. Uh, so Chris, thanks for having or thanks for coming on. We really appreciate all the insight and go peacocks on Friday.
2: Absolutely Jacob Zach pleasure speaking with you boys strut up go peacocks. Thanks Chris go thanks,
0: peacocks Chris. thanks Chris. All right so we'll take a quick break come back and we are on the hot stove MLB a ton of moves to get to including my Phillies and your twins making some huge splashes here in the last week. So we'll have that coming up for you in the next segment. But first, we must go to the public service announcement here on the radio. Boone University Tech crew holds office hours every Monday, f- excuse me, every Friday from 12 noon to 4 p.m. in Tolentine 009. Office hours is open to everyone, both current VUTC members and students interested in joining are encouraged to stop to drop by if you're not able to make it to office hours, but you'd like to discuss something with VUTC or otherwise schedule a training and/or meeting, please email us at contact@vutc.com. So now to the hot stove partner, and we have a lot to get to. And we're going to start with the twins because I'm I want to get to my Phillies, but I want to hear from Zach first. because he kind of been silent here the first 15? We had the interview with Chris, but. The Twins get Carlos Correa from the Houston Astros. Three years, $105.3 million. Uh, Zach, first, what, what are your thoughts on this move?
1: You know, I was waking up in my uh, Streetsboro, Ohio hotel room <laughs> after go, uh, on my way to the uh, Ann Arbor uh, to watch the women, women, Villanova yeah. women's game. And uh, I wake up and I see on my phone, breaking news, the Twins signed Carlos Correa. And I think to myself... Excuse me? Um, <laughs> but no, uh, the Twins uh, made a move here. Uh, they were linked to Trevor Story for a long time. Everyone yep. was saying, with that $50 million we got from the Donaldson move, Trevor Story was our guy. We were going to get Trevor Story. Instead, Trevor Story was very, very hesitant, so the Twins drew up a deal quickly with Carlos Correa. He accepted. Very surprising move here to me, but on the other hand, I look at it, I'm like, I'm not really that surprised. To me... Carlos Correa is the perfect shortstop. Fills the main hole we need there at shortstop. We have a 3-year deal with opt-outs after the first 2 years. Okay. Okay. And those opt-outs allow us to if we are not being successful like we want to be, we can trade him for major prospects. Yes. Um from other teams and we have Royce Lewis, who's our number one overall prospect, ranked forty-five in the forty-fifth best prospect of the country. What position is he? He's also a short he's shortstop, stop, so it? he would be a—he's like our next guy. He's in AAA right now. Okay. We're excited to bring him up eventually and get him in the shortstop. Yeah. So if Carlos Correa, we need to trade him. We have him waiting in the wings. So it's a perfect move for the Twins, in my opinion. I'm really happy they did this. I was really scared the Twins were going to be rebuilding after yeah. the bad year last yeah. year, but they are not. They are very much not, and I'm really excited to be a Twins fan, and um, hopefully we made the Yankees fans a little more upset after this one.
0: <laughs> so what are your expectations now for Minnesota? I mean, like you said, a pretty disappointing season last year. Uh, wh- where do you see them in the midst of this AL Central here with these other teams?
1: Well, the AL Central is really weak. Um, we're yeah. probably the weakest division in baseball. Yeah. Um and the Twins, don't get me wrong, we still need starting pitching. And if we go after Montas or Manaya which we're really linked to, which I think if we get one of those guys, we're set. And I think if – but right now we do need starting pitching. We're relying on Bundy, who's not that great of a pitcher. We got Joe Ryan, who's a great prospect, but he's a prospect still. We need help. Hopefully he settles in fast. Bailey Ober is a guy that wasn't supposed to be a high prospect, and now he's working. And – Uh, Sonny Gray, who we just acquired from the Reds, will be our number one in that rotation. So we need one more solid veteran to come up in that fourth spot or that second spot, Um, which I think Montas and Renata can do. But if we get that move, the Twins should be able to make a run for the playoffs, and I think they can easily win the Central. But I do think that we need to first break our 18-game playoff losing streak, which is the (laughs) first issue. But I do think if we do that, we can make a run for the World Series this year. I have high expectations for the Twins.
0: Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, that division is, uh, you know, kind of weak. Um, you know, you look at, well, who is it the Guardians, right?
1: It's the Guardians. It's the Detroit Tigers. It's the yeah, Chicago White Sox. And it is the Kansas City Royals.
0: So, do you pretty much seeing it being a two-team race between the Twins and the, the White Sox? And maybe the, you know... The uh, Guardians will always
1: put up a run, in my Guardians, opinion. Yeah. The Guardians will always put up a run just because they're the Guardians. But... Um, I do really think it is a two-team race between the Twins and the tie- White Sox at this point. White Sox made a couple of big moves in the offseason as well. Um, but I do think the Twins right now can compete with them.
0: Yeah, that, that that's that's going to be an interesting division to watch, really. Um, as far as my Phillies, wow, what what a a week it was for my Phillies. Just uh, I never thought I'd see this much spending, but thank goodness they're finally living up to their... Um, you know, promise to the fans of, you know, we want to win. And and I never truly doubted that. I mean, there was some times where I thought they should spend a little more on the bullpen because it was atrocious the last two years. Um, But it wasn't all their fault. I mean, they brought in veteran guys, you know, one-year deals, two-year deals. But a lot of them either just got hurt or just didn't pitch well. And uh, sometimes you just strike out in some of those deals. But they have really bolstered their offense. They got Kyle Schwarber, uh, from the Red Sox and Nationals last year. He played the first half with the Nationals, second half with the Red Sox. Four years, seventy-nine million. Um, Schwarber brings a lot of versatility to the Philadelphia. He can play left, he can play first, and he also can DH, which is big. Um, last year, his slat, he slashed two sixty-six batting batting <coughs> average, three seventy-four on base percentage. 9.28 slugging percentage, 32 home runs, 71 RBIs, including a stretch where he hit 16 home runs in 18 games. That is 16 home runs in 77 plate appearances. He is 29 years old now. He has spent the first six seasons of his career at the Chicago Cubs, including their 2016 World Championship season. He hit .230, .336 on base percentage, 8.16 slugging. Another big factor for Schwarber is that he's reunited with his former hitting coach in Washington last year, Kevin Long, so that should work out well. Uh, Most likely, Schwarber will be playing DH or will be hitting in the DH spot or playing left field, splitting time with Castellanos, who we'll get to a little bit later. Um, And uh, an interesting uh, note here, the Cubs took Kyle Schwarber three picks ahead of the Phillies. When the Phillies took Aaron Nola, who's our uh, number two guy in the rotation right now uh, from LSU. Um, and the other big sign, of course, Nick Castellanos. Five years, $100 million, uh, and one 138 games for the Reds last year. He hit 309, 576 on base, 939 slugging, 34 homers, 100 RBIs. Um, can play either outside corner spot, and of course, he's probably going to split DH duties with Schwarber. Um, it's a big deal for the Phillies because now they are over the competitive balance tax, which is something that's been a major talking point in the fan base the last couple years. They've gone right up to it the last couple years, but they have not gone over it. So now they have gone $10 million over the competitive balance tax, the Phillies have already spent over $2 million on free agents, um, $202 million to be exact. That includes uh, K'n- Knable, the uh, reliever from the Dodgers, who will most <laughs> likely be a setup guy or a closer. Familia, who will probably be a closer or setup guy, depends on how this plays out. Herrera is back one year, $1.75 million to platoon that center field spot with Matt Vierling. Kyle Schwarber, of course, $79 million. And then Castellanos, of course, the $100 million contract. This is now the fourth player the Phillies have of more than $100 million on their contract. That includes Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler, JT Real Muto, and, of course, now Castellanos. Um, (laughs) Zach's shaking his head over there. With Castellanos, the Phillies will make opposing pitchers have to pick their poison, Zach, between the – Righty and Castellanos, the lefty with Harper, Righty with Rio Muto, the Righty with Hoskins, the lefty with Schwarber. I mean, I can go on forever here with this lineup. Um and honestly, Zach, we got two quality players and honestly, not that bad of a price. Chris Bryant was signed for the Colorado Rockies seven years, 182 million. So we got two extra seasons out of combined seasons out of these guys because Schwarber's for four Casting analysis for five, and you spent three less million dollars for these guys. I mean, if you brought in Story; you've been paying a fortune. And it's only, or I'm sorry, Chris Bryant. Sorry, Chris Bryant. Seven years, 182 million with Such the uh, move. the Rockies. Stupid moved there. Um, yeah, he's getting way overpaid. Um, not really too sure what the rocks are trying to. Do. It looked like they were selling at one point. Yeah, and they, then sold they, were
1: they sold They sold Arenado for really cheap, and then they to get rid of his contract, and then they signed <laughs> Chris Bryant. I don't. For the for an even bigger contract than I think Nora, Nolan Arenado was on.
0: I mean, I think Chris Bryan was like, hey, man, if they're going to give me all this money, I can play half my season and a uh, mile high. Why not? I mean, what what the heck? Yeah, I mean, that gets some, get some home
1: runs galore.
0: Um, But, yeah, this is going to be interesting. So if the spending stays where it at, where it is at for the Phillies, they will be uh, their first year is exceeding the competitive balance tax, which is a penalty of 20%, which is only $2 million. So they can definitely afford that. In spring training, the Phillies started out on Friday. They tied the Detroit Tigers 6-6. Um, and then they beat Toronto on Saturday 3-2. JT Real Muto, and RBI double in the first to kind of uh, get the Phillies in it there. And they lost to the Yankees today 5-2. And I believe they lost to the Braves on Sunday 5-1. So, I mean, obviously spring training doesn't really matter that much. We're just trying to evaluate players, but it's still fun to – Look at the scores and see what's happening. Excuse me. Um, Aaron Nola against Toronto, not too good. I mean, it's only his first start of the year. I get that, but he gave up two earned runs, including eight. Did you see his moonshot by uh, Vlad Gros Jr. off Nola? Did you see that? I definitely did not see that. I'm not watching. He any cranked of it off of Nola. Nola missed it. It was, you know, right in his sweet spot, middle in, a little low. Yikes. And Vlad Jr. just teed off. Yeah, Vlad Jr. Off. is not Vlad Jr. is not missing that one. He teed off. I mean, this ball went into the concourse. I mean, it was it was launched. Um You sure it wasn't in Manhattan? <laughs> it might it might be. It still might be going at this point. We don't know. Yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, so I mean it's only his first start, so a little bit of rust. Uh Kyle Gibson pitched well yesterday against Atlanta. A two scoreless Against what are you laughing about?
1: Uh, Kyle Goodson. I'm like, I'm like he's a, he uh, was a former twin. Brother. Oh,
0: he is. I didn't know that. I know he came yeah. from the Rangers. I didn't know. He was, so, he's with the, Was he a starter with the twins? Yeah, he played for the twins. From
1: We, we, we brought him up. Oh, we okay. We brought him up completely. He was one of our top prospects. Guy we were supposed to be really high on. Pitched really bad for the twins, though. He was never oh, okay. really a starter for the mm. good starter.
0: He's been solid for you. We came over the trade deadline last year. He was solid towards the end of the year there for the Phillies, but uh, he's probably going to be number three this year behind. Uh, wheeler and nola Something, that's a good spot for him that's a good yeah spot it'll him. be number three okay. so we're hitting the nine o'clock hour here a quick commercial break we'll come back and wow zach this quarterback carousel just keeps going and going and it's going insane and i think more just got stuff to ha- more stuff just happened today yeah so it, it's we have a lot to talk about when we come back quarterback like we said the most important position in football and uh it's definitely uh going right now so take a quick commercial break. Timeout. Come back. NFL news on the flip side. Sports takes with Jake 89.1. The roar. Keep it here.
3: Is your Play-Doh paper due tomorrow? Need a fresh set of eyes to look over your final draft? Haven't even started yet? You can make an appointment at the Villanova University Writing Center. Located on the second floor of Falvey Memorial Library, the Writing Center is full of professionally trained tutors who assist Villanova students of all majors on their writing assignments, from personal statements to thesis papers, at any stage in the writing process. Hours of operation are Sunday, 3.30 to 7.30, Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 7.30, and Friday from 11.30 to 3.30. Stop in or call 610-519-4604 to make an appointment today. The Villanova Tech Zone is a free resource for helping students, faculty, and staff troubleshoot their technological needs. Contact us at 610-519-7777, chat with us online, or visit our law school, Falby library, or new commons offices. For more information, visit unit.villanova.edu.
0: And welcome back into Sports Takes with Jake here with my man Zach Tipton here on a Monday night. We've been going since, well, for me since 6:50 this morning. Probably similar time for you, right, Zach?
1: Uh, a little bit, yeah, about, I about, about six, seven o'clock, seven, seven a.m. probably.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, it's. Mondays are long for us. We gotta be at sports journalism for like seven thirty. Yep. Well we don't have to be there, but we kinda have a uh a legacy to live up to, you know. Absolutely. We gotta be, we gotta be in first and second. We gotta, we gotta be first gotta and, and be in
1: second. There. I know we're gonna be first because Jacob's just too fast. But
0: yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I always beat him. Um That's true. But I mean you are coming from the commons. I mean, next year I'll be coming from the commons. So Yes, yeah, so
1: we'll be having a race. We'll just have to walk together and like yeah, race for to the last five we'll steps.
0: We'll have to alter it every time. Maybe I'll go in first one day you go in first. Yeah, that's that works for me. <laughs> Sounds good. So here in the NFL here, some heck of some moves here. Deshaun Watson being linked to a lot of different teams signs the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Zach's shaking his head over there. Six draft picks in all given up by Cleveland. A first round pick in 2022, 2023, and 2024. A 2023 third round pick, a 2024 fourth round pick, a 2022 fourth round pick. The Browns, of course, received Deshaun Watson, excuse me, and a 2024 sixth-round pick, five years, 230 million, fully guaranteed. <laughs> Zach, uh, my man, what yes. do we
1: think of this trade? Well, it's very simple. Um, Colin Coward is somewhere dying laughing at this <laughs> trade. <laughs> um, Colin Coward, obviously, a numb Baker, I'm um, disbeliever. Um, but the Browns said they were out of the running for this Deshaun yeah, Watson move. Yeah, that's what I move. saw. I saw that. Everyone said the Browns were out of the running, which meant, okay, Atlanta, obvious move for Deshaun Watson. It's home. He's going to be going home. And then all of a sudden, Mayfield's like, okay, I'm going to request a trade. Well, Watson the Br- Watson went to the Browns in the fr- after all. He was like, I want to go to the Browns. I don't understand it. I feel like that's like where you don't want to go um, exactly. as a QB. Um, no offense to Cleveland. Graveyard
0: for quarterbacks, by the way.
1: Absolutely 100%. (laughs) But, you know, for me, it was like Deshaun Watson is going to a team that has a lot of good pieces. It just does not have a good stability in ownership, a good stability in coaching. I think Mayfield was um, immature for an organization like that. And I think wherever Mayfield goes, I don't even know where he's going to go. No one said anything on Baker Mayfield. I don't know where he is. At first it was the Colts, then they made a move. Then it was the Falcons, they made a move. He's screwed. I don't know where Baker is gonna go. All the key spots are filling out. Maybe he goes to Carolina. I don't know. But like, how would you want him? I don't know. No one. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. He's immature, but I mean, he still he led to the Browns to playoff. He did. did. So I think last year he was hurt. So you still got the chance. Maybe there's a good season in him after all. Who knows? But. The Browns got Watson for a giant contract amidst a lot of controversy under Hassan Watson. Still, he's still not out yeah. of controversy yet. So, um, fully guaranteed is a b- insane deal for Watson. Um, Watson got lucky here. No other team would pay him this much. I'm sorry, no other team's going to pay him this much, no. especially with the controversy. No,
0: I mean Cleveland definitely reached here a little bit, but I mean you got to you got to think if you're Cleveland, right? You're kind of in that win now mode. I mean you're, you know. You know, wild card win against Pittsburgh two years ago, almost beat the Chiefs in the divisional round two years ago. Last year, not so good of a year, missed the playoffs. Baker Mayfield hurt with that torn labrum since mid-January, kind of thwarted their efforts to make the postseason. And, of course, you're playing in that vaunted AFC North division. I mean, just so many good teams and players in that division.
1: They needed to make a move to catch up to the Bengals and Ravens.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the Steelers to an extent. So, yeah. um, you know, five years, two hundred thirty million. It's gonna help though because he's a dynamic passer, and you've got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt in that backfield. They assigned Amari Cooper. Uh, who else do they even have now? Hooper's gone. They lost
1: Treader, and but they did. They le- lost Treader in the offensive line, and they lost Landry because Landry Landry's cut. gone. Cut. They cut Landry. But they, don't need, they need a wide receiver in that draft, but they don't have picks to get a wide receiver in the draft. So, um, to me, I think the Browns are – their defense is still really good. Their yeah. defense is still really good. I think their defense top. Their offensive line, if they find a replacement for Treader, is really good. Um, the Browns, to me, are a contender in the AFC North. I think – in my opinion, they're getting a little overrated though. I think they're I think their betting odds jumped up a lot. But like it was something like that. But I don't know. I think that's a I'm like I don't see Cleveland as like a Super Bowl contender in my yeah. opinion. I feel like they're just not there yet. But I do see them as a chance to win the AFC North. I think uh the Bengals are still young. anything happened there, this could've been just a lucky fluke season for them. Yeah. Um Ravens Lamar, we all know with his injury concerns and stuff where Lamar is at. Pittsburgh, Mitchell Chubusky is uh not gonna is uh
0: He's a stand-in, right? He's a stand-in. I feel like, yeah. but I don't know what he's gonna do. I wouldn't be surprised though. Pittsburgh always finds a way with these guys. Mike to Tomlin's an incredible coach. He's an amazing coach. I would not be surprised they're contending for the division next year. They
1: say he's always on the
0: hot seat, and I just like that why? doesn't even make sense. Like this guy always has, does. Has his he
1: missed win. the playoff? Has he missed the playoffs in his career?
0: Maybe once. Maybe I once. I mean, he's had I a winning. He se- has had a 500 or better record every season he's been in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and exactly. that's insane in the yeah, NFL. No.
1: He's incredible. And so, like to me, I think the Steelers are all- are will make the playoffs somehow. But to me, I think the Browns are probably the number one favorite to win the AFC North. In my opinion.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and you look at uh, Mayfield stats here, uh, Zach. Um, you know, just not great. I mean, last year, 3,010 yards, 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions only a 60.5 completion percentage. You look at the year before, 2020, arguably arguably his best season, 3,563 yards, 26 touchdowns, uh, and eight picks,
2: 62.8
0: completion percentage. Um, So you're getting kind of a maybe slightly above average quarterback with Mayfield, depending on I – mean, you're going to have to have a run game because, I mean, you look at Cleveland – they got a great run game, you know. They really use that play action pass well with Mayfield. Yeah. So if you're, you know, just say Carolina for example, if you're, I mean, I don't know if they're looking at them or not, but you're gonna have to have a run game. <laughs> he's not gonna, win. he's not put it this way. He's not gonna win with his arm. Yeah. No, Deshaun, in, the, in the game.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. Baker Mayfield um, was never really that mobile either. That's what they go to Sean Watson too. Yeah, he's Mobile. For sure. Um, he can get around even with Baker Mayfield was a stand in the pocket play action guy. Reminded me a lot of a younger Kirk Cousins without the maturity. (laughs) um, Without the maturity. um, But to me, Mayfield was good for a year, average for a year. I'm going to say average. Yes. He was injured this year. There to me is some chance that Mayfield still has a a good enough ability to start in this league. If he gets a chance for one more year. But he has to be fully healthy for that year. Don't know if that's possible, but to me, there is still a chance that Mayfield can do it. I just, I need to see it to believe it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, <coughs> you know, leadership has to improve with him. He has to stay on the field, Absolutely. obviously. And, you know, he's got to figure out a way to throw the ball a little bit better. I mean, six even 62%, that's not great. You got to figure out a way to be able to be more accurate and throw from more yards. You're going to be... Uh, a standout quarterback in this league. And, of course, I think this happened after our show last week. Devontae Adams heading to Las Vegas. Five years, <laughs> average of $28 million a year. Packers receive a first and a second rounder. Um, it's, like it's like dancing for joy over here. But there's Vikings that Adams is out of the NFC North. Um, Derek Carr was a teammate of Devontae Adams at Fresno State. Yes. So that really influenced this. uh, I think that influenced a lot what Adams did here. Um, This all kind of started last year with Adams being frustrated with the Packers in their front office. They couldn't get a deal done. And I feel like Green Bay panicked here a little bit because they had the non-exclusive franchise tag on Adams, meaning that whatever Las Vegas offered, Green Bay could match. And even if Green Bay was like, all right, we're not going to, like, we'll match, but we're not going to take him, they would have gotten two firsts for him, automatically. And they got a first and a second for him. So it's interesting.
1: They didn't even place the franchise tag on him, which is insane to me. Yeah. And, and Adams said he wouldn't play under the franchise tag. And then Adams also said, or the Packers count said, they offered more money than the Raiders did. Yeah. They uh, Adams was the high, is the highest-rated player in the NFL right now, but... I played wide receiver in the NFL right now, but the Packers offered him more money than the Raiders did. Yeah, and Adams was like, "No, I want to go play with the Raiders." To me, that shows you a lot about the Packers organization as a whole, as to why their organization is in bad shape. To me, and I think Aaron Rodgers is the root cause of it. Yes, he's a great talent. Yes, he's incredible with football. Yes, he's a two-time MVP back to back. But dude has not been able to win in the playoffs, no. especially at home. No. Dude has caused more drama around that team than <laughs> needs to happen. Yes, the Jordan Love move was a terrible move on the Packers' part. Yes. Um, But he has caused way too much drama for that team. And to be honest, I think Adams was sick of the drama Aaron Rodgers was commenting. And I think Aaron, I think he wanted out. I think he wanted away from Green Bay. I think, and there's a reason I think Zadarius Smith is out of Green Bay right now. They didn't resign him. Had the money to they had the money to resign Zedari. They had the money to resign Smith. They because now, especially now with the with all the moves they've made. They yeah. have the money now to resign Za Smith. That's they big. didn't. To me, I feel like the Packers, to me, yes, they can win the NFC North because I think the NFC North is weak, even though my Vikings are in it. I think the NFC North <laughs> is weak. They can win it. But to me, Aaron Rodgers has no ability to win a game in the playoffs without ad without Devontae Adams. I don't care who he has, how good he is. You can't win a playoff game with Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and, and Randall, uh, Cobb. Randall Cobb as your wide receivers. Yeah, That's not, not going to happen. happen. They're going to have no one to throw to. They're going to be easily covered. Devontae Adams helped Rodgers out a lot because on third and tens, every ball was going to Devontae Adams. On third downs, every ball would go to Devontae Adams. On first downs, every ball would go to Devontae Adams. No matter where we were in the downs, he was always looking for Adams. And yeah. without Adams on the field, he doesn't have that guy now. Yeah. And I think... The Packers will use the first-round pick on a wide receiver, but I don't see it making a huge difference immediately. No. I think, to be honest, I think Packers aren't getting a Super Bowl this year, and I think Rodgers should retire at some point soon because he ain't getting a Super Bowl.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) Strong take there from Zach. And then uh, just came out today, Matt Ryan heading to Indianapolis to the Colts. Falcons get a 2022 third-round pick. And a little after that, Marcus Mariota signs to Atlanta. Um, this is the fourth different starting quarterback for the Colts, and they had Brissett, and they then had you, had Luck. Luck. L- you had Luck. You had Luck, Brissette, Brissette, Rivers, Rivers, Wentz, and that was supposed to be fifth. And now Ryan. Yeah, yeah no, so it's insane. Uh, I honestly think this is gonna be a good fit. For I mean, Frank Reich, we saw him with Philip Rivers. I mean, they good got on the wild line. card. Yeah, their offensive line does need work.
1: No, their offensive line is good. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their Sorry. offensive line is really good. Yes,
0: yes. Um, especially with Jonathan Taylor and that line. You still got some good receivers there as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. So
0: I think you should be fine, especially with – th- uh,
1: I think Ryan was getting hit too much with the Falcons because yeah. he's old Atlanta's and line he's... Is bad, yeah. Errol- Atlanta's line, Atlanta's offense, Just Atlanta's bad. defense, bad. Yeah. Um, Ryan to me is washed, I will say that. But I think even a washed QB can succeed on this Colts team, in yeah. my opinion. um, However, I don't know if this move was disrespectful to Matt Ryan or respectful to Matt Ryan. A third-round pick seems pretty low for Matt Ryan. Yeah. Um, considering the guy is still still producing
0: at he's still producing, a decent he's still producing at
1: a decent level, I feel like a third-round yeah. pick is pretty low for a guy who's been loyal to that organization for a very long time. Years. Yeah. Won him an MVP,
0: got him to the got Super him Bowl. the Super
1: Bowl. Don't you talk about the <laughs> Super Bowl in general. <laughs> Um, but to me, I think that was low. But on the other hand, was it just we want you to go somewhere and actually have a chance to win because the Falcons knew they weren't going to win this year? Because to me, I'm look at the Falcons roster, I'm like. Kyle Pitts got be really disliking life right now, because like he's sitting on the Falcons with no one to throw to him. Besides Marcus Mayota, no wide receivers around him, no offensive line around him, no defense, and he's this generational talent at tight end that's just yeah. sitting here. Yep. I I feel bad for uh, I feel bad for Kyle Pitts in my opinion here.
0: Quickly, we're hitting the nine fifteen yeah, mark yeah. here. Jameis re-signed the Saints. What do you say? Two years, twenty-eight million. Two years, twenty-eight. So he's going to be back starting for the Saints, I would think next year. How just quickly? How do they handle that Taysom Hill Winston dynamic now? I don't know. Taysom Taysom Hill is not a gadget again.
1: Uh, I think Winston will be starting QB. I I think Taysom Hill will just go back to being a gadget. I think this team ain't competing this year. Uh, This team will finish third in their division, Um, losing record by a lot. Um, and actually, they may have finished second. Panthers aren't good either, but I think Panthers will finish second. But Saints will finish third in the division, losing by a lot. Uh, Sean Payton's a great coach, he's gone. I don't think I don't like their hiring of uh, Dennis Ryan, was it, was it Dennis?
0: Dennis Allen? Dennis Allen, yeah, yeah D- D- coordinator. I don't
1: like their hiring of Dennis Allen there. I think, uh, especially with how bad this offense is. Um, I don't see the Saints being well here. I don't think this is a big move for the Saints. I think this is kind of a lazy move. By the Saints. Yeah, it's convenient um, move, yeah. Convenient. I don't like it. I think this is... I, I, I think they should have waited. Take... I think they might They might still take Malik Willis here with that, with that early pick and just have Jameis be a gap year for one year and try to cut him next year. But I don't know how that works. But I, I, I don't like this move by the Saints.
0: Interesting. So, quick break. Come back. Bracketology the rest of the way. We will quickly and recap the... Go Cats. Uh Yes. The round of 64 and round of 32. And then we will make our picks for the Sweet 16 Elite 8 yep. leading up to the final four. So that coming up next. But first, we must hear from – check out WXVU's anchor feed to listen to shows and interviews on demand. Log on to our website, wxvu.villanova.edu for details. Follow our sports page on Instagram, home to all things Villanova sports, from radio shows to sideline coverage, news, and more. Search Wxvu Sports today on the Instagram. So March Madness in full swing. Um, we had some pretty crazy upsets, like Chris. We had him come on, obviously St. Peter's is you know the 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 Cinderella story, the tournament making the Sweet 16. Third, number fifteen seed to make the. Sweet sixteen ever, Zach. Can you name the other two. The Sweet sixteen, obviously.
1: Um, it is yeah, it w- Florida Gulf Coast in yes. Dunk City, and you got Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts of from the last year. From the Summit League, yeah. Absolutely, gotta love those. Uh, Middle Tennessee State actually is another fifteen seed to be a two. They lost to, I believe, Purdue in their uh, round of thirty-two.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I the
1: four teams in the last ten years.
0: That's yeah, that's four fifteen seeds
1: in the last ten years, and there's been I think nine total. In the entire March Madness, and we've had four in the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it just shows you the parody, really, in the in bat in college basketball. Yeah. Um, just going through the list here. Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. They had a tough one against to to Memphis, though. Memphis uh, gave them a good run. but Memphis should have won
1: that. My, I think Memphis had a good chance of winning that. They did. They got a couple guys in foul trouble. Their foul trouble kind of killed them there. But, man, Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's beatable. I think this game just showed Gonzaga's beatable. And I think... Gonzaga, I think
0: Arkansas in the Sweet 16.
1: I, I think Gonzaga. Fit. I think Gonzaga makes it, beats Arkansas. Yeah, but I, I think, think they lose. Real. I think they lose Texas Tech
0: and, uh Elite Eight. Interesting. Yeah, you have Gonzaga, Arkansas. Arkansas beat New Mexico, who took down UConn. Unfortunately, I always root for the Big East schools in the in the tournament. I like to I see don't. them do well, but but uh, yeah. New Mexico. Led by t- uh, what was his name, Terry Allen of 37. Teddy Brown. Teddy Allen. Teddy Allen. Teddy Allen. Sorry. Teddy Allen. Teddy Allen. 37 points for him. Uh, if you, well, uh, we're we're not gonna. Talk- his interview is interesting. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> I think he might he might want to. Yeah. And anyway, um, a little cocky. A little cocky. Yes. Um, Notre Dame took out Alabama in the first round after a a stunner over Rutgers in the first four. Yep. But uh, they bowed out to A- or uh, Texas Tech last. Th- I thought they were uh, they were up in that game. I go to mass, I come back, and they lost by six. Yeah, no. Um, I watched that game. Uh, Notre Dame played well,
1: but they eventually stopped making shots. Oh, okay. And Texas Tech kind of caught fire. Um, mm-hmm. I was rooting for Texas Tech here because I knew Texas Tech was probably the only team that could actually compete with the top two seasons in this conference. Usually, I root for the upsets, yes. but in this case, I was not going to root for Notre Dame. Um. But also I think to me I love what Texas Tech is doing here. They lost Chris Beard to Texas last yes. year, last, last a year the last year two coach. years ago. And I think you know Texas Tech was going to start over here. I like Chris, Chris Beard did a lot for that program and now uh Kevin O'Banner played out of his mind in this last game. Uh O'Banner if you don't remember was the uh the um second in command and max acmens of that Oral Roberts squad last year. Oh, okay, I did not uh, know. Uh Kevin O'Banner was their second leading scorer okay. for Oral Roberts and was their that was their two-man punch that led him to the Sweet 16 last year. And so he transferred to Texas Tech, and he went off for, I want to say, 16 points and 15 rebounds in that wow. game against Notre double, Dame. Double. Okay. So he went off. It was I lo- I'm loving what O'Banner o- is doing over Texas Tech right now. Um, it, was his, it was his show game. It was his breakout game for me. Uh, uh, Texas Tech looked good.
0: Yeah, and then we have in the bottom half of that, West Region Duke taking out Michigan State in a – a clash Thriller. of legendary head Thriller coaches, there. Tom Mizzo and Mike Sheshewski. Duke moving on. They pulled away. It was a one-point game. I turned out like a minute forty-four to go, but you know, the blue Devils pulled away yeah, there at blue the Devils end. Did, yeah. Setting up a pretty nice matchup here. I actually just realized top four seeds in this West region are all still alive. Which yeah, this is, is
1: this is, is a this pretty
0: good s- good matchups here in the Sweet 16. This
1: is the boring region. Um but I uh, no, this is this is the region that I guess we kind of all predicted. I'm pretty sure a lot of people had I don't know if anyone had Arkansas really How many people had Arkansas in the Sweet 16, but a lot of people had those top three seeds, yes. and I think a lot of people are probably thinking right now to themselves, this Elite Eight will be really, really good. Oh yeah, because I think whoever comes, I think Gonzaga will win easily over Arkansas, yeah, I and Gonzaga I think whoever comes out of the Elite, uh, the Sweet 16 or Texas Tech, Duke will be one of the best games of all, one of the best games in current. Uh, yeah, in I the like it's gonna
0: be a good game. Yeah, that's gonna be a must-watch. And then the East region, we kind of predicted this, Zach. We kind of did. A little bit of mess, a little bit of a mess. I think we, we said we both said that before the tournament. We said, "Watch this East region's gonna be a little messy." Of course, no one predicted St. Peter's being the Sweet Sixteen. No, absolutely Except not. for Chris. <laughs> except yeah, for Chris. except for Chris. Um, but North Carolina. Some people did have North Carolina over Baylor. I did not. I had North Carolina in my Elite Eight. I want to say that right now. Wow. Okay. I, I yeah, did yeah. forget about that. I had Marquette beating them in the first round, so that didn't really work. out. Yeah, I no, I was never going to pull for Marquette.
1: Um, yeah, no, North Carolina. I knew they looked dangerous after that ACC tournament, and yes. to me, it was just like and being Duke, and to me, it was just it was it was North Carolina's time. And I kind of was like Baylor is very, very um, vulnerable in my yes. opinion. I thought they were the worst one seed. Yeah, I, I thought they were that. a team that could lose early, and I I think North Carolina versus UCLA is going to be
0: a Fun class. Yeah, it's gonna be a clash of the blue bloods. Then, with the bottom half of the bracket, you got Purdue taking out Texas last night, dominating. Um, yeah, it was that was a good game, and they will take on the Cinderella St. Peters in that Sweet Sixteen matchup in Philly. You're gonna be a lot of Peacock faithful there. I mean, like you, I mean, Chris, it'll and, like be a home said, game for Peters. Out. It'll yeah. be a
1: home game for Peters, but I'm,
0: I think Purdue I'm, I'm, so- I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry, Chris. Yeah, I think I'm Purdue sorry. Pulls
0: it out. It's too much. Too big. Too, too big yeah, for too me. Much. Too
1: big. I'm sorry. They're
0: but gonna. They're gonna have to play a perfect game.
1: They would have to play. Yeah, they had to play. Like Villanova
0: played against Georgetown, 1985 it's national It's
1: possible, but no. There have been three Sweet Team 15 seeds that have made it to the Sweet 16 in the last 10 years. Yes. And none of them made it past the Sweet 16. Yep,
0: none of them made it to the Elite Eight ever.
1: Oral Roberts was really close. They though. almost, almost, they almost did it. Almost. But, uh, no, it was no, no. It's it's gonna
0: be a fun one. Uh, go peacocks, but I think Purdue's gonna. Yeah, I'm out. definitely rooting for the peacocks here. If Chris yeah, is still listening, but uh, I think Purdue. I think the boardmaker's just too much. I think Matt Painter's a really good head coach. Yeah, absolutely, Purdue. 100%. Um, so we move on to the um South region here, and, and go back to the East real fast. Besides St. Pierce, there was really no upsets. I mean, you had UN. I mean, UNC beating Baylor, but. I mean, you had St. Mary's and UCLA. You know, UCLA yeah. dominated. I was a little surprised by that. UCLA rolled St. Mary's the Gales. In yeah, no, I was I was very up. shocked,
1: too. I thought St. Mary's looked like a team that was going to be able to make a run after that domination of a- Indiana in the yeah. first round. But I was like, I thought St. Mary's was going to make a push here. I and uh, UCLA, so uh, UCLA, even when uh, it was close. And then even Johnny... Uh, no, no, what wasn't Johnny Juzang. It was Mark Hawkes. He oh. went out with an injury
0: okay, yeah. in that
1: game. And I thought... Okay, UCLA might fall apart here because Hawkes is one of their key players. They just kept pushing. Yeah, and I thought, well, dang, I I'm scared of UCLA unless, although I think if Hawkes is out, I don't know what has been said about Hawkes if he's back to being good, but uh, I'm I'm I, I think UCLA and North Carolina will be a matchup to watch.
0: Yeah, and then um, we move on to the South region, of course, where Villanova resides. The top half of the bracket had. Arizona and TCU is really pulling for Seton Hall to win that eight and nine matchup, but wow, they got throttled sixty nine oh to forty two.
1: I, I remember watching this. I'm just like, well, I didn't think Seton. I thought Seton Hall was going down the wrong direction, in my opinion. Mm, and TCU was going up, and they had a couple wins. They beat they. I th- they might have, did they beat Kansas? Did TCU beat Kansas? Or did they? I, could, I don't remember. They played them. really close yeah. to Kansas in a couple of the games, at least. Yeah. I don't know if they beat them or not. But TCU, in my opinion, here. Got beat by the refs.
0: Yeah, you and were I think that this morning.
1: I was saying this this morning because I watched this full game. I was up till 1 o'clock in the morning yeah, it was watching late. this game it was late. because it was very late. In the final 10 seconds, TCU has the ball. Uh, tie game 70 70. TCU is dribbling around. Um, uh, it might have been 8, no, yeah, 70-70. Uh TCU is dribbling around trying to find an open shot. He can't find it. He's kind of dribbling around. Gets absolutely, like, blocking fouled really hard right in midcourt. Arizona picks up the ball, runs down, dunks it as time expires. Didn't
3: Didn't count. Didn't get off. Didn't
1: count. Didn't get off in time. But it should have been a blocking foul. It was a very blatant blocking foul. TCU would have been double bonus there with, I want to say, three seconds to go. They would have been able to make their free throws, take a two-point lead, one two-point lead with three seconds to go and... Uh, Arizona had to go the length of the court here. I think TCU sh- should have won this game. The refs definitely bailed Arizona out really hard, in my opinion.
0: Well, the end of the story is Arizona moves on. They'll be playing Houston in the Sweet 16. Houston dominated the fight in Illini in the round there. of 32. Oh, yeah, you were, yeah. I was
1: in Pittsburgh for this yeah, one. I yeah. watched I watched Houston. I'm just like, eventually this team's got to stop making shots, right? Yeah. They did not. They did not stop making <laughs> shots. Um. Houston's a dangerous team. I actually think they have a very good shot of beating yeah, Arizona I, I here in this in this yeah. region, and I actually am picking Houston to win this game.
0: Wow, interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably go with Arizona here. I think just too much size. They play fast. Um, I know they had a scare against TCU there in the second round, but Houston. I mean, they did have a nice one over Illinois. Give them credit, but I think Arizona just a little too much for the uh or excuse me Arizona too much for the uh Houston Cougars. And then we'll, we'll talk about Nova in the next segment cuz we're going to break that game down. Oh, yeah, Villanova we'll Michigan down. uh huge matchup there. Villanova pulled out a 10 point win last night or last yesterday over uh Ohio State. Quickly in the Midwest region before we go to break. Kansas great game against Creighton. I mean, that, Creighton hung in there With tough. without Colton.
1: Without Colton. Yes. That, I they was, hung
0: in tough. I
1: was watching in like a hotel lobby, and I'm just like, "Is Creighton gonna stop missing here? <laughs> because it looked like in the first half, Creighton was not missing any of their shots, and they no. were playing really tough with Kansas. And I'm like, eventually Kansas pulled away at the end there. But Creighton, <laughs> props to you, props to a great season for you guys. Um, yeah, had a good I season. mean, no one expected this team to play play no. well this year because of how young they were, and for this team to be this young and be this good is gonna be a very scary sight for the Big East for the next yeah few years. Yeah, there he goes too. This team to me has a chance to be better than the team that was winning the Big East uh, two years ago. Wow. And I think I think uh I think Radon's a team to watch and I think um, definitely uh, without even without if you could do that without colkbenner this team's scary.
0: Yeah, it sets up a date with Candace has a date now with the Providence Friars. They took out the Richmond Spiders in the second round pretty what? handily. Um, that was a uh, you know Richmond you know Province is too much talent there on that roster, and they uh, they showed it against Richmond. They'll be taking on Kansas. I think Kansas beats them though. I think it's the end of the line for the, the Friday. I think night. it's pretty Ooh. bad.
1: I think it's a bad beat too. I think it's like multiple points, like probably fifteen.
0: Wow. And the bottom half of the bracket. Two double digit seeds going at it. Number 10, Miami. Number 11, Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Miami came out of really nowhere. Yeah, and I don't they'd know beat where Auburn, they beat Auburn handily by 18 or 17. I think it was 78, 61 18, or something. 18. 18,
1: 18, 18 79, 79 61.
0: 61. Okay. Yeah. And Iowa State just put the clamps on the Badgers. I mean, yeah, Johnny Davis goodness. really got shut down there. So, in Iowa State, they have now 11 quad one wins this year. 11.
1: Yeah. No, Iowa State's insane.
0: So, we got Iowa State and Miami will be a double-digit seed in the Elite Eight, guaranteed. I don't know who to pick this here. Game. I, I'm going to go with Iowa State. I was really impressed with their defense.
1: Yeah, yeah, their defense They can't
0: score, but their defense is absolutely amazing.
1: You know, I I agree here. But I don't I, I don't know
0: anything about Miami. Though. That's a problem. I know nothing. Yeah, about I Miami. know nothing.
1: But I've seen they beat Auburn. But I I, I have to go to Iowa State here. I think defense, especially when you get this late in the tournament, yeah, defense, defense matters. We said defense matters from the start of the tournament. But once you get closer in, defense really starts to matter. Yeah.
0: Really. And I
1: think Iowa State has probably the best defense in the tournament remaining. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And so I think I think Iowa State's gonna. I think Iowa State will win here. But I think. Miami, props to you guys. Props yeah, to you all for good, good doing run. this
0: move. I mean, they beat Auburn and USC, two pretty quality teams.
1: Yeah, two teams that were highly thought of coming into
0: this yeah, tournament. Yeah, I had USC in my Sweet Sixteen. I thought they were gonna take down Auburn, but ended up being Miami. Took I, I had Wisconsin in oh. my
1: Final Four. Ooh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. I still have
0: all my Final Four teams intact.
1: You do? Yeah. Who do you
0: have? I have Nova, Kansas, UCLA, and Gonzaga. Well done. I have a. Uh, I had. I had Kentucky, Wisconsin, Ooh, yeah,
1: Nova. Kentucky. And no uh, Nova and Gonzaga. But, okay, you so know.
0: you got two of them. That's still not yeah, bad. Not bad at all. So we'll take a commercial break, come back, and, of course, we got to break down this Wildcats-Wolverines matchup here Thursday night, 7.30, in San Antonio at the AT&T Center. Going to be a heck of a game. I cannot wait to watch. But that will be on the flip side, commercial break, Sports Takes with Jake, 89.1 The Roar.
3: The Business and Entertainment Society is dedicated to teaching students the various aspects of the entertainment field related to music, movies, TV, and sports. The Business and Entertainment Society brings various speakers on campus to talk to Villanova students about real-life situations in the entertainment industry. Contact Professor Fiorenza at david.fiorenza at villanova.edu for more information. Have a voice for radio? Need to get your hands on audio video gear? Does journalism or writing interest you? How about photography and capturing memories? Villanova's media organizations are open to all majors and include 89.1 WXBU, VTV, Tech Crew, The Villanovan, and The Bel Air Yearbook. Come hang out with an awesome group of creative students and find your home in Villanova's media programs. Stop by Daugherty 102 to learn more. Brought to you by the Office of Student Involvement, Student Media Programs.
0: And welcome back into Sports Takes with Jake for the last segment here of the 11th show this spring 2022 semester. So, yesterday afternoon, campus was a little tense there in that second half. Ohio State Buckeyes cut it down to 2, but Villanova ends up winning by 10, 71-61, of course, following their 80-60 to uh, win over Delaware in the first round. And, you know, we, we were talking at the break, uh, Eric Dixon with just a crucial shot late. Gillespie uh, led the team with 20 points, 4 assists, but it was Gillespie's assist here that really helped Nova – he saw Dixon in the in the right or left wing, excuse me, Dixon wide open. Let it fly, swish, and you were you were there. Oh yeah, we forgot to say this man next to me here at the game on Friday in Pittsburgh went to Ann Arbor, Michigan for the women's game against BYU on Saturday, and of course Villanova won that game upset over BYU. He drives back to Pittsburgh for the game on Sunday. 240 eastern tips so we got back here what, what time did you get back here i thing? got
1: back here around 11 o'clock okay, at not night, too bad not too bad but not not terrible but i was i, I had pretty be, exhausted Pretty right? exhausted
0: but yeah Long you got ride. to see three games in three days
1: i gotta see five games i gotta see both. oh yeah the games. you got to see four Loyola, four, and Loyola, ohio state and then i also got to
0: see uh houston illinois yeah i got to see three nova games and two others wow yeah that, that's impressive five games in total for my man here and then he got back here last night, and he was in sports journalism this morning at 8 a.m. So, absolutely props to him. Um, but yeah, so Dixon with the big three, 138 to go.
1: I've never heard the crowd that loud. I was, uh, so it's kind of funny. I was uh, using the restroom, and I came back up, and I all of a sudden I just hear a loud roar as I'm walking in, and I see her Dixon for three, and I look at the score, I'm like, Let's go, well, Owens! I gotta be going crazy right now in the group chat.
0: oh well, hold on. My first question is, why are you using the bathroom with under two minutes to go in the game? <laughs> Unless uh, you had to go that bad, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I did, but um. Okay. Anyway, probably probably not appropriate, but yeah, I did. <laughs> um. But yeah, no. So it was, it was unfortunate. I had to. Uh, I thought I got time in the media timeout because when media timeouts yeah. usually take pretty long, It was short, it was a short and one. it did not. It did not take that yeah. long. Um. But no, yeah.
0: So, the Wildcats now advance. To play the Michigan Wolverines in the Sweet 16, um, yeah, like I said, here at the house at Gillespie with 24 assists, a steal, and a rebound. Dixon 13, eight boards. Um, I think. Justin Moore had to have I think he what do you have, fifteen or sixteen?
1: quick, But I think it was yeah, something around there. It was a lot yeah, of points. I him remember him, seeing him that, and Gillespie I have know. had really good, really good tournaments so far. I will say that. Quick. I got it right now. Uh Justin Moore had uh Justin Moore only had eight.
0: Oh, he only had eight. Okay. That uh, must have been the first game he had six.
1: Gillespie had twenty. Jermaine had, 17, had seventeen and eight. Yeah, Dixon good. had thirteen and eight. Caleb Daniels, Daniels, Daniels had, 11. had eleven and eight. And then Justin Moore had eight. And uh Slater, oh oh one. And two seals.
0: Yeah, he he was the intro. he he, he, was got, like in f- he got in foul trouble. He got foul real trouble really early, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, just wasn't really able. And to Chris starts anything.
1: with two crucial free two crucial free throws. <laughs> in the
0: there. Yeah, we always got to add that in there. Absolutely. Um,
1: but the one thing that I gotta talk about here in this game quick is, uh, once again, Jay Wright's lack of depth. Yeah. And that's a Six players only that played more than five minutes. Brian Antoine and Chris Arch combined for eight minutes for our seventh and eighth spots. We only had six guys on the court basically the entire game. Yeah. Um excuse me? Um, we have such a great bench, in my opinion, and we just I, I don't see why we don't use it. I, that's confusing to me, but yeah. it worked. We won. We won by ten. That's fine. Thank you. Um now we got Michigan and Hunter Dickinson. And to me. That's the key. You can't stop Hunter Dickinson. he's gonna get his points. You gotta slow him down. and without our size, I don't know how you slow him down um but we'll figure we have to figure out a way.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be an interesting matchup. I mean, I think we have to rely heavily on the three pointer, the guard play. yep, absolutely. I mean, I don't like relying on the three, but I think in this instance' you're gonna have to hit some threes. Um, you know, like, like, Gillespie's gonna have to lead the team again, like he usually does. Um, 38 minutes in this game. He's probably gonna be close to that again on yeah. Thursday. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, we use this formula, though. I mean, Gillespie with 20, you know, Samuels can chip in with 15 or so. Moore's gonna get more than eight, I think, in the next game. He's gonna get probably his usual 15. Dixon, um, with 13, you know He's he'll get, he'll probably get it right around there. If I, less, I think he'll get a little less than that like one because I think 10. him versus
1: Dickinson will be a tough matchup yeah. for him. I don't think he'll be able to get around Dickinson as easily as he was able to get around EJ Liddell in this game. Um, I think, and then Caleb Daniels is just he hits a couple of clutch threes every once in a while. That's just like we needed that. Yeah, and that's what he does. He's a really good three point shooter. He's been getting better on defense. He's been finally, to me, I feel like this is the best Daniels we've seen in a while. Yeah, he's he finally starting to come into his own a bit in this tournament in the last few games, especially. I feel like I've seen Daniels really mature as a player in just these last three games than he more than he's done this entire two years in his t- season. So I I like what Daniels is doing.
0: Yeah, I th- yeah, Daniels has really come on the second half of the season. You um, know, I mean, even this game, eleven points,
1: eight, eight rebounds. rebounds. I mean, that's big. And he played really good defense, I thought, in this game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean if you I mean I, I agree with you, Zach. I think the six man you know, rotation just <laughs> not good, but I mean at the end of the day, you know, that's what Jay does and yeah. we're just gonna have to roll with it. I mean, he won us two national championships, so <laughs> we just gotta keep moving with that. Um but yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Um what do you think of the keys to slowing down Michigan here?
1: Like I said, you gotta slow down Hunter Dickinson. Uh, he's the only guy in Michigan that i truly worry about i think they got an incredible don't get me wrong they've got incredible shooters but if you can stop dickinson in the inside uh let me just get up the stats on that michigan tennessee game uh, i mean dickinson got 27 11 rebounds a steal and a block i mean they have Diabate, who's really good in the forward as well inside the key to victory and the key is slowing up michigan is to not go inside on them, um, or to draw their bigs out, even though Hunter Dickinson, I've watched, doesn't come outside a lot. He likes to stay in that paint, even on defense. He'll stay in that paint. He doesn't like to really follow any guys outside. So you got to find the open shooter, in my opinion. Um, Elijah Brooks is a great guard for them as well. He'll score points, but those are their three. None of the really other guys really do too much. Combined with the rest of the team, they had 12, 11 points. Combined for the rest of the combined for the rest of the team besides those three, so to me, I think you gotta slow down Brooks or Dickinson. But I don't know. It's it's uh to me, I I look at Michigan, I look at a team that shouldn't have been in the tournament to begin with, and now they're in the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> I
0: know. Really.
1: Um, so it's a team I don't know too much about. Honestly, I wasn't really expecting to play them in this round. No. Um, neither. but Dickinson is their key, and Dickinson is the
0: key to slowing them down. Mhm. So, prediction time. Who do we think wins this matchup here between Villanova and Michigan? Is that even a question? I mean, uh, I have to ask the question. You I have to ask the question?
1: Okay, that's right. fair. Um, well, the answer to that question is Villanova. Um, I think <laughs> Villanova coach... Uh, I love a Coach Right. Coach Wright's still, in in my opinion, um, better than Jawan Howard. Oh, uh, sure. As long as Jawan Howard isn't... Uh, as long as this isn't a boxing fight, uh, <laughs> Jay Wright will, uh, is better than uh, Jawan Howard in this, yes. in this case. And I think it comes down to free throws. And to me, uh, Villanova's free throw percentage is insane. Um, as yeah, we talked about and before.
0: It's still
1: 82.5%. It's something like that. Um, although Michigan did shoot 16 for 20 against Tennessee, so they do have a good three-point sh- free throw shooting team as well. Um, but... 6-for-16 Six from 3, 27-for-54 uh, for Michigan against Tennessee from field goals. Um, they shot really, really well. Um, it, they're not always going to shoot this well. Um, Villanova just got to continue making shots. We can't put together a game like we did against Baylor or against Creighton or against Creighton two times or even against UConn we didn't play that well or St. Joe's. Yeah. We got to put together a game where we're consistent. I think that's a Colin Gillespie, that's a Justin Moore in – March Madness, you have to have top guards. You have yes. to have veteran guards that can get you points. We have, and that. we have, we have that. And you gotta you gotta have a guy that's reliable in defense. We have Slater, as long as he doesn't get into foul trouble. Um, you gotta you gotta have a guy that can hit a three in a clutch moment. Gillespie, Brandon, uh, Gillespie, and I think Caleb Daniels. Yeah, is that Daniels. point too, and more, and more. And I think you gotta have a guy who can somewhat do have his own in the in the paint. And we got that with Dixon, who's and probably Samuels. the most Im- oh yeah, and then Samuels who can hit a three as well in a yeah. crucial moment. He had a bunch of crucial threes in that game against yes. Ohio State. Um, but Dixon to me, um, is another player that has to just hold his own against Dickinson and Diabate down low. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to do it, but he's definitely the most improved player in the Villanova in this year. So I think he'll I think he'll have he'll have to he'll have to show that some more.
0: What do you think the score will be?
1: Uh, I think low-scoring. I think uh, I don't think this will be a high-scoring game. I think it will be like 66-64. Uh, I don't think it will be that close. I think it will be 66-60 uh, Villanova wins.
0: Yeah, I agree, Zach. I think, I think Villanova, you know, I think more experience, better coach, and I think better players overall. Villanova and they're Michigan's eleven seed for a reason, and they're seventeen and fourteen for a reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll have a, they gotta have a in my opinion they have to have a down game eventually, yes. and I just I feel like uh, Villanova will be able to bring that out of them. I think they're a the better team. I think Tennessee was a little hot coming into Michigan. Uh, Michigan slowed them down. I think. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think I I think I like I, I well I'm gonna say Villanova's gonna win though.
0: I think Villanova wins sixty five sixty. I think Gillespie, Moore, and Samuels lead the way. Dixon's going to have a tough game. I, think. I, I agree. I think Dixon will have a tough game. I think Slater, we just
1: need him to play defense. And Slater's going mean, to, to have step to make up a couple, up couple points, though. Yeah. He's got, he's got gotta, to make like, a couple points. He's
0: got to chip in like seven or eight points.
1: We need a dunk. I think we need a signature Slater. We, need a signature we almost slater
0: had slater. it last game. We, we almost did. Game, but he, yeah, it was a foul and he missed it. So,
1: um, <coughs> um Let's see. Are uh, we making our final four picks here?
0: Yeah, it's quickly because we're running up against the clock here. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna still take Gonzaga out of the West. Okay, I'm gonna stick with that. Okay. Um, it's oh, a tough one. Um, because UNC's hot. Oh man, I don't know. <sighs> wow, it's tough.
1: One. I like all three teams left. I like. Yeah, I, three, I, I, I there. could
0: see UNC, UCLA, or Purdue getting. I'm gonna stick with my original pick. I'll go UCLA. I'm not gonna go against what I have here. Okay. And then I'll have obviously still have Nova come out of the South. Yep. And then the Midwest. Yeah, can't. I think Kansas is a favorite. I think Kansas. I, mean, has I don't, gotta make I don't it really now. see think, them. In my
1: opinion, yeah, losing. they they have no competition over there. Um. So for me, I'm gonna actually switch here. I had Gonzaga. I think Texas Tech beat. I think Texas Tech makes it. Okay. I think they beat Duke. Knock, knock, off his throne. Yep, he's gonna be done. And I think they knock out Gonzaga here. I think Gonzaga is vulnerable. I think Texas okay. Tech can avoid that. Texas Tech, Villanova obviously coming out of the South. Out of the East, to me it's between UNC and Purdue. Uh, I'll take UNC. I think Purdue will struggle here against uh, UNC as well. I think UNC makes out of there. Okay. Um, and then for me, I'm taking uh, Kansas as well Kansas. out of the uh, Midwest because I think uh, Kansas is just. They have no competition in my opinion, left in that bracket. Yes. I don't think I don't think Iowa State or Prov- I don't think Iowa State Providence or Miami can compete with Kansas at this no. point. The only team I thought that could was Auburn and Wisconsin and they're both out. Yeah. I thought Iowa could as well if they're also out. Yeah. So I think to me, it's gotta be Kansas. Those are my four.
0: All right. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you, Zach, for coming on again this week. I really, really enjoyed being on the show with you again. We'll look forward to doing it next week. Absolutely. Um, and also to our listeners out there, thank you for listening next week. Of course, we'll be breaking down, hopefully a Nova final four appearance. Absolutely. And a national championship. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. I'm really hoping so, but we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll have more NFL news. Absolutely. MLB awesome. news. Uh, of course, getting closer to opening day. Um, and, if, and what day is that? What day is it? Do We know April 7th, April 7th. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We're getting closer. Um, and we gotta start talking about golf a little bit. The Masters, yeah, the Masters is coming up in two weeks, two and a half weeks. So I best love, time of the year. I best time, time of, of the tournament. year is that first week that of tournament. April. I love watching that tournament every year.
1: Masters, uh, final four, yeah, and um, Masters final four and uh, opening day in the same weekend, basically. Yes, so yeah, we're it's gonna, be awesome. it's gonna be a little bit of a fun first week of April. It's so gonna I'm excited.
0: be. So thank you, Zach, for coming on again, and thank you for the listeners. And we will wrap it up here against the clock. So we will wrap it up thank everybody for listening again have a great week god bless we'll see y'all back here next week 830 sports takes with jake 89.1 the roar it's the very best in
2: smooth
0: jazz